From the Montana Kaiman, University of Montana's independent student-run newspaper, this is the Kaiman Cast for the week of April 4th. I'm Austin Amistoy. Scott Blankney is a former UM men's basketball player facing a big decision. After completing his last season with the team and starting in just four games, he's at a crossroads. Retire from the game he loves or continue playing overseas. Fewer than 2% of college hoopers in the U.S. move on to the NBA or WNBA after school. The international market for pro basketballers is much hotter, but going overseas isn't always smooth sailing. But just from talking with some former teammates that play overseas, they said the number one thing that happens over there is it gets kind of lonely, you know, because you're out there by yourself, you know, thousands of miles away from anybody, really. And, you know, your team, a lot of guys, it's sometimes you get stuck on a team that hardly anybody speaks English. You know, you might have a couple other Americans on your team. This week, Kaiman Sports Editor Jack Marshall spoke with UM athletes past and present about the challenges and triumphs of shooting for stardom outside the U.S. Hey, Jack, welcome back to the Kaiman cast. It's been a little while since we've had you. Yeah, it has. Last time was actually before college basketball season was about to start, and now we're at the back in the college basketball, the championship games tonight. So by the time our Kaiman cast listeners hear this, it'll be we'll have a new national champion. Wow. Well, I guess that's just an indication that we don't get Jack Marshall on here enough, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm humbled, Austin. I'm humbled. <laughs> so I mentioned in the intro, Jack, uh, point eight, here are the, uh, the more specific stats. 0.8% of women and 1.5% uh, of men go on to play pro basketball in the U.S. out of college. Um, that's really competitive. So um, how do the overseas leagues come into play? Like, why, why is it so common for U.S. athletes to head that way after they stop playing in college? Well, I mean, with basketball in particular, it's just, like you said, it's really hard to play professionally. Um, and sports like NFL football, there's like 100 people on a professional roster. Whereas in basketball and NBA, there's only like 15. And NBA, which is the men's side, they have um, also a developmental league. But even then, that's still like another 15. It's like 30 players each team. There's 30 teams. That's a really limited amount of spots that players can play in. And when you come to a school like Montana, which is considered a mid-major, if you're the best player here on the football team, it's pretty likely you'll get a shot at NFL. But basketball, unless you're really out of the world, it's just not possible. So mm. if, even if you're the second best player on the team, oftentimes you're not really going to get a shot at the NFL. And in the WNBA, that's even harder because there's only 12 WNBA teams and they don't have a developmental league there. So oftentimes there's a lot of people who want to continue playing basketball professionally and we just don't have a lot of developmental leagues or minor leagues mm -hmm. like you see in baseball in America. And in Europe, they do have that exact thing, which is plenty of basketball leagues. So would, would you say Europe is the most common place athletes go after college in the U.S.? Uh, I would say for basketball players from mid-major schools like Montana, Europe is probably the most common. There's other places they can go overseas, like in Asia, um, Australia is pretty, pretty often. I just talked mm -hmm. to a player the other day that's going to go play in Puerto Rico, actually. Oh, wow. So th well. it is. it can be anywhere, but Europe is where there, I would say the most teams are when it comes to professional basketball outside of the U.S. Yeah. Do you know, and you may not know the answer to this, but how many former U.M. players are playing 
or how many former UM basketball players are playing overseas right now? Do you have like a rough guess? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of hard to track, and it, you know, it changes quite often. You know, I think sometimes they make big announcements when they're going to go play overseas, but some players just kind of slip in between teams and stuff. Mm. But if I had to guess, it'd be, I mean, I talked to four right now that are overseas, and I can think of two more off the top of my head. And I think there's, I'm going to guess probably around eight or ten, uh, yeah. both men's and women's basketball players that are playing overseas from UM like right now. I wonder then if like there are even more people from UM playing professionally in Europe than there are in the NBA or WNBA right now. Well, it's not even close because there aren't any players from UM playing in the <laughs> NBA and WNBA yeah. right now. I know specifically the WNBA. Um, there's only been like our one of our best players in school history, Shannon Kate Schwain. Like she um, was an All American, which means she's one of the best five players of all time oh, wow. uh, in college. She's one of the best five in college right then, and she didn't even make it to the NBA. She went to play in Spain. So hmm. you got to be really good to make it to the WNBA because it's so small. And you know we've had NBA players from UM, but just right now um, we had one G League player not too long ago in the developmental leagues, but not right now. There's hmm. much more in Europe. Jack, let's go back to. Scott Blankney for a second. Um, we heard about him in the intro. I had some more questions about him, though. Um, why is he looking at going overseas at all right now? And and where is he looking at? Do you know, like, what what's going on with that decision-making process for him? Yeah, I mean, I think he, you know, I think he might have some unfinished business or he just really likes to play basketball. He really, Scott had a really interesting NCAA career. Um, he committed to Idaho when he was relatively young in high school. He hit his growth spurt when he was like a freshman. He grew hmm. to be like 6'9", 6'10", just this massive human. When he was a freshman in high school, he wasn't allowed to play in their varsity. That's how his school did it. So he was just putting ungodly numbers up on their freshman team against these kids that are probably a little more like my height at 5'8". <laughs> and so he committed to Idaho. And for those that are like new to the Big Sky Conference who might know about it, they're like, why would you go to Idaho? Because recently Idaho has been more or less abysmal. Mm. Um, two years ago, they only won one game all season. Scott was actually on that team. But when he first committed, they were really good, and they were ranked to be the top of the big sky. But then while he was there, when their coaches got their head coach got fired for NCAA violations, and he was there, and he, he played a lot of basketball because they, they needed him. They didn't have a lot of other guys there. And then he, he got, like, over 20 Division One offers when he entered the transfer portal to go to a different university. And they ended up here at UM, which is obviously at a – historically good basketball team for the mm. Big Sky Conference. And then, realistically, they had um, kind of some growing pains this year. They're a really young team, and he only really started, like you said, in the intro, six games. And it was a lot of them were towards the end of the year when some injuries fatigued the team, but he obviously didn't get to play like 30 minutes a game like he was at Idaho. Yeah. And then they got kind of – they lost in the first round of the Big Sky Tournament, which was a tough loss for the entire team. And just like that, his eligibility was out in the NCAA. He couldn't play anymore if he wanted to. Yeah, you know, those first couple days, I just, you know, I was just relaxing, took took a couple days off, and then phones started ringing with agents and stuff. So, you know, I got got back in the gym, got back in the in the weight room, and started started back at it. So, you know, it was a quick turnaround. Um, for me, you know, I want to try and keep playing, so I got to do whatever I can, you know. And I think hmm. um, the ability to go to Europe is probably one of the only ways he could still play it unless he's playing in like a church league or something right now. Yeah. So I think he saw it as an opportunity to continue playing basketball. And I think basketball is something he's not quite done with right now. So what are I mean, he's at the precipice of this big decision. What are his biggest concerns about, you know, or I guess well, things he could be excited about, too, about potentially going overseas to keep playing? I think that's exactly it, Austin. I mean, it's not... 
easy to just go to somewhere you've never been before and do the job that you want to do there. It's it, you got to really love basketball, and I think he's coming to really debating himself about that. Like I think mm. he really wants to go overseas, but he doesn't want to end up somewhere where he's thousands of miles away from the Pacific Northwest, which is kind of where he's always lived. He's never even been to Europe before. So that's where it's going to really, that's what it's going to come down to is seeing, okay, does this culture, uh, is this going to be too much of a culture shock or will I be able to go live here and be happy and be like mentally stable out there? Or like, is it going to be way too different and I'm just going to, you know, not like it very much. And then obviously, you know, money's going to come into effect. Is this going to be enough money that I can, you know, not only live on, but then come back with a little bit of money to start my life with? So Blankley's thinking about going, right? He's got a big decision to make, but we've already got some UM players who are there now, like we've talked about. Who did you speak with for this story who is currently overseas or recently overseas? Yeah, I spoke with four different UM players who are kind of right now, I guess you could say, playing professional basketball on the women's side. That's Taylor Goligoski and Mackenzie Johnston, who both graduated in 2020. They're both guards for the Lady Grizz. And then on the men's side, it was Saeed Pridget and Michael Gine, um, who were both um, on the Grizz men's teams in the last three years. They both played in the NCAA AA tournament. Galagoski Johnson and Michael Ogine are all um, overseas right now, while Saeed is still looking to play professionally, but he's back in his hometown of Oakland, California. So what did they say? I mean, what were their experiences like for them overseas? I mean, it's really a mixed bag for all of them. I think, like, right this morning, I woke up and Taylor Galagoski had posted a TikTok, which obviously, as a Gen Z, like, the go-to form of news these days, of her in the Prague airport. I am currently stuck in Prague right now with no way home. I've been here for a few months playing professional basketball, and I was supposed to leave today. My coach is um, in Czechoslovakia. Uh, she was taken there by her coach and left there to catch a plane back home to Montana, which isn't exactly a cheap flight. Mm-hmm. And there was a rule that she didn't know about. Tickets, And apparently they passed a new law recently saying that flying from Europe to the U.S., you have to get a COVID test no later than 24 hours before your flight or you can't get on. And oh, wow. she got stranded in the airport um, in a foreign country where obviously she's a non-native language speaker. And her coach had already left. Like She doesn't play in Prague. She plays out of Prague, so she's a ways away. Oh, no. Her coach had left her there, and essentially the airline said, you have to buy a new ticket. And, you know, she is a professional basketball player, but tickets are thousands of dollars from kind of random places in Europe, back to specifically Montana, which isn't exactly the hub of the world's biggest mm-hmm. airports. So she, uh, last I heard, she's still there. If anyone would like to help a brother out, I'm going to drop my Venmo in the caption would be very much appreciated. As of right now, it's looking like I'm going to have to be here for a few more weeks until I can get the money to come back. I think that's an example of someone who's, you know, not had the, I mean, that that's not the most fun experience for anyone. Um, Saeed Pridget, who I mentioned earlier, is obviously back in California, which means he's not playing overseas anymore. Um, he, when he went to Greece, he was, he's he felt like he was playing really well and he had a coach that um, from his standpoint, really just decided he wanted to go to a different rotation and Saeed didn't get to play a lot, and that um, was hard for him. And then when he played in Cyprus, he suffered a kind of a hairline fracture in his foot, mm. and he felt like he was recovered from it, but then his coach was like, no. They put me in a boot for like six to eight weeks. I came back, I played, and the team was kind of like, oh, we don't want to, we have to cut you because you can get hurt again. And I was, I kind of like argued back and forth with them, and I was like, anybody can get hurt. 
like you can't say that, but it's a business. I get it. I understand everything. You know, I think for some UM players, it has been a difficult road or yeah. continues to be. But I think on the other sides of it, it's been really good for some other players. Mackenzie Johnson, she was telling me, like, she lives in Germany where it does get really gloomy. But she, her roommate is from Montana, which is kind of a small um, world thing. Yeah. And she just has been traveling Europe. She's been, like, pretty much any country in Europe you can mm. name, specifically the ones you'd really want to visit, you know, like Switzerland, Ireland, France, everything like that. She's been traveling, so she's had a great time. Um, Michael Ogine, he got um, quarantined due to COVID for a long time. So for a while, he was really struggling. But now he's playing professionally. He got to run into one of his former teammates in a mod Roy. And they just like got to go out um, to the club when they're um, playing against each Their teams were playing against each other in Europe. And he said it's just like they were back in college again. Like it's hmm. you and your friend who you played together and went to March Madness together in yeah. college. And now you're playing professional basketball in Europe, hanging out. So I think it's definitely been a mixed bag for the athletes overseas from UM. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I would be surprised if it was entirely, you know, easy for that kind of a transition to be made. But um, given that it is it is more common, relatively speaking, for UM basketball players to go overseas than to play professionally um, nationally, uh, is there like a support system of some kind at UM for these athletes making these decisions? Or are they just kind of like... Uh, left out to dry when it comes to figuring out their futures post-college. <laughs> kind of, yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously definitely a support system in place for a lot of athletes um, when they're at UM currently. Um, I know a lot of teams, like, it's obviously comes down to, like, your coaches and trainers that you're really talking to and stuff. Um, but uh, as you prepare to go overseas or just, like, you prepare to leave any team, you know you're going to have conversations with your coaches, and that's how it's made to be. And I specifically talk to um, Lady Grizz assistant coach Jocelyn Tinkle, who, if you're kind of any sort of Montana basketball fan, you'd recognize the last name Tinkle as a big deal. I mean, her dad played here and coached here and now coaches at Oregon State. Her little brother um, played at Hellgate High and was just a standout, and he ended up going to play at Oregon State, and now he actually plays overseas in Spain. Hmm. Her sister played at Gonzaga, and she was one of the best prep basketball players of all time at Missoula Big Sky here. Wow. And she had a really great career at Stanford. She played overseas, and now she's coaching at UM. So, okay, let's talk about um, Tinkle here for a second, though, because, I mean, she has the overseas experience you just mentioned. Give me a little bit of background, though. Like, what was her? I mean, did she enjoy her time overseas? Because, like, now she's back at UM, obviously, and she's overseeing or at least helping some of these athletes who are overseas now themselves are making that decision. So, what lived experience does she bring to the advice she gives? Yeah, well, she, Tinkle's overseas experience is a lot different than a lot of players because a lot of times their first time going overseas is when they leave UM and fly over there. Mm. But she was born in Sweden, actually. Oh, wow. Because her dad, Wayne Tinkle played overseas. So she would start every year at Hellgate Elementary School, and then they would go overseas to Spain, is what she particularly remembers. Mm. And she would go to like a school there. And then by the end of the year, when the season was over, they would come back and she would finish out the year at Hellgate Elementary School. And she remembers that when she was young. She was telling me a story about how she. Um, was in a Spanish classroom and she remembers like she couldn't understand any Spanish and the teacher did not speak any English. Hmm. She was just kind of stuck in the back of the class like doodling and by the end of the year, I was doing school plays in Spanish. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. And so um, for that, it was awesome because I really just kind of had to, you know, just dive into to my experience and my surroundings and make friends and go to birthday parties. And so I picked up a lot of Spanish and was was pretty fluent at a young age. 
she actually got to be on the Seattle Storm, a WNBA team, for um, a, a season. And that was honestly, that was honestly a big deal because it's so hard to get mm-hmm. on WNBA teams. But the WNBA, unfortunately, doesn't really pay a lot of their athletes enough to where their season's too short that if they want to make money, they oftentimes have to go overseas. So hmm. there's a lot of WNBA players who end up going overseas in the offseason unless it's the ones with really big brand deals. Yeah. And Jocelyn was one of those players, and she ended up going overseas. And she told me a story about how when she was in Russia, she played against like three WNBA All-Stars. And it was like a super team that you would <laughs> see, like you would normally see in like the WNBA finals on ESPN. But really, it was her just playing in like a, a Russian <laughs> basketball league against them, which is kind of hilarious. I, I, we lost by about 50 points. Like the little girl in me was just like in awe. Like these are, you know, women that I watched and they've been my favorite players. And now I'm, I'm sharing a court with them. And granted, we're getting our butts kicked. But they're almost kind of cheering for me because they knew we were down so much. But that was one of the coolest um, uh, moments, too, in my in my career. But So she played overseas in, like, three different countries. And she really did love her time overseas. Mm. And she got to talk to a lot of her family um, all the time. And she um, kind of had, had grown up overseas a little bit, so she was used to it. But now that she's coming back to UM, the hardest part for her was quitting basketball. She loves basketball yeah. so much. And she still got opportunities to play like when her sister graduated and stuff but she eventually had to retire which is a word she doesn't even like to say right now but now she's a really young division one assistant basketball coach and works with these players like blank me but now on the other end it's Nia Morris Nelson is a player from the Lady Grizz who's gonna go overseas and Tink has the ability to kind of not only provide kind of um, advice for Lady Grizz players who might go overseas, but she's also just there for players in general. Bringing this all together, Jack, you know, you talked to quite a few different athletes for this story, and they all gave you different opinions. But I'm wondering, given everything you've heard, do you find that it is worth it that these players are all telling you that it's worth them going overseas? You know, have their stories been more net positive or more net negative? Or is it more complicated than that? Yeah, that's kind of a funny question. I think, you know, it's it's definitely complicated. I would say, I think for the most part, it is pretty net positive. I mean, these are student athletes, um, you know, and I think quite a few of them worked really hard to be in a place where they can play professional basketball. And I thought when Tinkle talked to me, she told me about how, you know, if she's asked if someone should go overseas, she'd say yes every time. Mm. Like it's, you know, you're playing professionally, you're getting paid to do what you love and you get to see a new place. Um, so I think it, it is oftentimes really net positive, but you know, you're right. It is, um, you know, there's, you're not, you're just not in America anymore. And that's yeah. the end of the day. You're not, you're, it's harder for your friends and family to watch you. But at the same time, you know, there's loyal fans that are over there, um, the teams over there, just like you're the local team anywhere. And there's a lot of, you know, former and currently professional players you play against over there. So it's not like there's a talent drop off. So I think it's overall net positive. It's just about doing kind of what Blankney's doing right now and finding the situation where you're going to end up to where you're um, in a positive situation overall and you don't end up really isolated and somewhere where maybe you can't speak the language or somewhere where you don't have resources that can help you um, succeed in basketball but also mentally.
Well, once again, Common Sports Editor Jack Marshall with the stories of UM basketball players going pro overseas. Jack, thank you for your reporting. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for having me on. In her conversation with Jack, Jocelyn Tingle gave some advice to UM athletes considering international play. Take the leap, and if things get hard, don't be afraid to seek support. Honestly, it is hard, but, um, you know, it's it's always okay to ask for help or pick up the phone, call friends. You know, it was a great opportunity for me to, to find time to reconnect with friends and, and chat with them. I mean, thank God for FaceTime, right? You know, like all those different outlets that we have now to communicate. I mean, my, my brother's over in Italy right now playing, and we talk nearly every day. And, you know, and, he, and he's had friends come visit, you know, and I understand not everyone maybe has the means to do that. But my advice would... Um, you know, yeah, seek help if you need it. Like, reach out to people, reconnect, communicate with people. Um, but also, really, I would say, push yourself out of your comfort zone. On Monday's episode of The Second Look, Eleanor Smith flips the script, sharing the story of the UM men's tennis team, where every player but one comes from outside the U.S. The Kaiman cast is produced and edited by me, Austin Amistoy. Reporting by Jack Marshall. That's it for this week's episode. Next time, a tribute to the essential employees who kept UM running through the worst of the pandemic. I'll see you there.